You're listening to episode number 288 of the 360 Vegas podcast. Check out the blog at 360vegaspodcast.com or send us an email at 360vegaspodcast at gmail.com. You can support the show financially when you shop at Amazon. Simply go to the blog, click on the corresponding banner, and go about your shopping. It's that easy to give us money without even giving us money. Also, you can also get early and sometimes exclusive access to all things 360 Vegas with a mere $7 per month subscription over at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash 360 Vegas. Day after tomorrow, gentlemen, we'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pool's the casino. Big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Bellagio. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? I want to gamble. They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The Strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. Fair warning, Apple has threatened me that the current version of GarageBand that I use, and I specifically use an outdated version of GarageBand because the version after the one I use doesn't support enhanced podcasts anymore, I was threatened today, just as I logged in, that this will not work with any future updates for the iOS. So Awesome. So that means I will, one, be delaying an update uh, while I, too, start testing out other software to see if I can't find something else that will support this. The Enhanced Podcast. Worst case scenario, we may be seeing the death of the, the Enhanced Podcast. So if that is what it boils down to then what will end up happening is I'm just going to record and edit all the vintage that I've got backlogged for all this time. I'm just going to record them and edit them as fast as I can so yeah. that way I have them the way I wanted them. Because, I've like I've already said, I have the the the, the, the story arc that I always wanted to tell, you know, the, the everything from the birth of Vegas, the mafia, the evolution, the great, you know, uh, consolidation. And I, I have that story arc done, so I'm like, just... Worst case scenario, fucking get your story out, and it's 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 done. For some reason, when I keep saying hey scenario, or anything close to scenario, it fucking does. Hey Siri scenario. wakes up. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what? You want something? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Huh. I apparently said scenario like four or five times in this, <laughs> and, and she just kept going up. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, fair warning, the Enhanced Podcast may be dying soon. I will do everything I can to make sure at least the vintage story arc I, I had always dreamed of delivering will be done enhanced. But after that, if I can't find quality software to, to support this, I'm not going to put a shitty version of the show out. Right. We'll just we'll deal with it. And you know what? I, I don't even hate Apple for this. It's, it's technology that most people didn't get onto. It takes extra effort to do, and most people don't put that sort of effort. Most people don't edit their fucking shows. Well, that's um, true. So it, it's I don't hate on them for doing it. It wasn't something that was adopted by a lot of people, so why continue to support it? So, but I liked it. So. 
I think it's a I think it's a wonderful opportunity for folks that use the software to be able to check out the pictures while they're listening to it. It, it certainly adds an extra layer of complexity to the story that you share. So it, it is unfortunate that GarageBand is doing away with it. And I hope that there, I mean, I would imagine in 2018, there's got, excuse me, 2019, there's <laughs> gotta be plenty of uh, folk out there that will support that, but maybe not. Maybe that was something unique to GarageBand. Yeah, I mean, I did some research and I saw some that said something about it, but we'll, we'll see. Like I said, there's sure. there'll definitely be some research coming up here to, to figure out if there isn't a suitable replacement. And if there isn't, then we'll, We'll figure it out from there. Yeah, I love it. Something else I love, I am, uh, so a a dear friend of the show uh, has provided, uh, is supporting, uh, if you will, uh, is sponsoring Tony tonight. <laughs> My friend Mark W. has provided me with a bottle of Breckenridge. Nice. It is a blend of straight bourbon whiskey. Now, this is a blend of bourbon whiskey that's been aged for a minimum of two years in new charred oak barrel. Mm -hmm. And I think if my friend uh, Mark shared with me that he didn't terribly love this, my guess is because of it being just a minimum of two years uh, in its age. This is a clearly a very young whiskey. I poured some in my glass. What's that? I said, is that it? That's interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It is so young that it's still got some of its burn in it because it hasn't had a chance to mellow out for those additional four, uh, two years. Most bourbons rest in a in a new uh, char oaked barrel for roughly four or more years. This one is only two years, which means it didn't have as much time to absorb the vanillas and the caramels from the, the wood fibers that is the, oh. the barrel. And so that makes it so hot. I did at least put a little splash of water in it to open it up a bit, and that's tamed the burn. But yeah, this is this is definitely a young bourbon. Huh. Well, now you know why. It's fascinating. There's a reason. Right there. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so before we get too deep into this bottle, we better start the show. Yeah. <laughs> He's Mark, she's Karen, I'm Tony, and as always, we start with Random Vegas. Next week, the Stevens Group will share the name of the first property built from the ground up on Fremont Street in almost 40 years. Interestingly enough, they own that property too. Today it's known as the D, but it opened in 1980 as the Sundance. Another interesting factoid, once the new landmark opens, that's what I'm guessing it's going to be named, it will mean the Stevens Group owns the oldest and newest building in Las Vegas, for however long that lasts. (laughs) That's because they also own the building at 1 Fremont Street, also known as Golden Gate. That's all from my noodle. Your noodle? (laughs) Just Uh, through your head? My knowledge. It is. It, My acquired knowledge. It, it's interesting. I mean, number one, to, to think that they own, they will own the oldest and the newest buildings, at least for a period of time, and which and is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and the on last Fremont. one that I mean, was built on Fremont. they have three landmarks on Fremont right yeah. now. The first, the last, the newest. Hey. It's fascinating. Wait a minute. You lost me there. I got the first being Golden Gate. I had a feeling I, I fucked up that. <laughs> that as I, I knew what you meant, so I, I was just going to roll yeah, with it. As I wrote it. So... What, what I tried to cleverly say is that it's the first property built from the ground up in the last 40 years. The one that was built before that was built in 1980 called the Sundance. On Fremont. Uh, yeah, yeah, on Fremont. Right. I got it. Uh, it was called the Sundance, and it's currently known as the D. 
So wait a minute. Nothing's been built on Fremont Street since the D. Not the, the ground up. Nope. The D slash um. Lane, uh, Sundance. Nope. Not from the ground up. That's wild, huh? That's super cool. <laughs> There's your fun fact for the day. kind of cool. <laughs> That's what Karen said. <laughs> All right. Let's roll into Twit Pick of the Week. My version of Welcome to Morrowind is this week's winner, shared by at Sam underscore Marquez one. It captures that magical experience of seeing the strip like an incredibly detailed miniature model that will soon be scaled to overwhelming so that you can play in it. But everyone knows there's a catch to magical experiences. In this case, it's Cinderella-esque. Cinderella-esque. I didn't expect that to be as difficult to articulate. (laughs) (laughs) In that the experience has a time limit, and the clock starts ticking the moment you land. But, wait, does that mean that people who live here are stuck in an inception-like dream state? (laughs) I speak on behalf of all who live here and say, either way, I just hope that top never stops spinning. (laughs) <laughs> I'll jump in and just say that that is a wonderful description of that picture. What the minute I looked at it, I thought, "Oh, I totally get where he's going with this." <laughs> From here, it does look like it's just a little miniature Vegas that you've built in front of you. But you're right; once you land in it, it does become like it engulfs you. Yep. And even better, what wonderful verbiage to say that the clock starts ticking. <laughs> the moment you land. I mean, that's just, that's, it's almost poetic. <laughs> that was what he was going for. Yeah. Karen, any thoughts before I move into, uh, no, uh, I, I, right, I think well. you covered it really well. As always, we'll link to the photo on our blog. We're going to feature it on all of our social media outlets, such as Flickr, Pinterest, Facebook, Google plus Twitter, as well as the enhanced version of the show, which Patreon subscribers should be seeing right now. Let's move into the news. I love that in that wrap-up, you could hear him pulling the stopper Me out too. of the bottle. <laughs> I even tried talking over I it. I had a giant smile. Karen looked at me, and I'm, I'm sitting here making notes, and I see Karen look up, and I just smiled ear to the ear. Little squirt, the little squirt of a, or squeak of the cork. So I wasn't initially enthralled with this headline, but then I actually read the notes on it, and this sounds really super cool. Tim Burton's exhibit is going to be at the Neon Museum. It was announced that filmmaker Tim Burton and the Neon Museum are partnering on a project scheduled to open October 15, 2019 and run through February 15th of 2020. While specifics were not disclosed, the exhibit is said to be a display of previous exhibits as well as new large-scale representations of his various animated and claymation film work integrated with the museum's collection Inside and Out, a.k.a. terrifying versions of creepy characters. <laughs> it's said Burton has had a long affinity for the Neon Boneyard and even showcases it in a scene of his comedy Mars Attacks. To get an idea of what might be in store, Burton had a 2009 exhibit in New York's Museum of Modern Art that pulled in some 800,000 people, the third most popular exhibit in the museum's history. I, I'm with you, Tony, and I, I had to think from a perspective of somebody who's coming here once and like this is this is the neon museum i get to see this is this is what it looks like 
But then I had to immediately throw that hat off and be like, going, no, I'm the guy that gets to go whenever he fucking wants to. And now I can see this cool shit for a period of time. <laughs> it will be right. creepy and scary, obviously. Anyone who's seen Nightmare Before Christmas or Beetlejuice or any of those things will have large, giant, scary creatures sweeping through the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the only... I mean, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they integrate the two together because Tim Burton is just weirdly, freakily creative. Right. So you know it's going to be interesting and unique and like something you hadn't quite seen before. But it'll be interesting to see how they integrate it into the Boneyard. So I mean, I'm stoked that he decided to go with them. Like if he pulled those kind of numbers. Yeah. Right. And if he if he can do that for them. That's fucking that's amazing. Huge. That that's is going to be gigantic. It'd be so great. I love that somebody like that, who's that creative, can use whatever draws people to him to be like, I think this thing is cool. Go see this. Well, and I, I didn't realize that he had a reference. I mean, I've only, I think I only ever watched Mars Attacks, all the way through once. So I don't remember that there was a scene in there featuring the Neon Museum. But it, it's, it's tiny. It doesn't last long. Yeah, but it's still interesting because that movie's old. I mean, so it had to be in the early stages of the, the Neo Museum. So. Yeah, I was actually, I thought of that too when I read the article. I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize Neo Museum's been around that long. I mean, I knew it was, but I didn't realize an incarnation of what we know it right. to be. Like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I know those signs. I mean, it obviously a different layout than what we're looking at now, yeah. but still. Well, so let's put this in perspective. Mars Attacks came out in 1996. Yep. Oh my god. And Vegas Vacation came out in, I want to say... Oh, early 90s. That's right, because they featured the Mirage. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vegas Vacation came out in 97. Yep. 97? Really? Right. So here's the thing. And part of it is we're all the same age group. So in that regard... You know, we were kids. I, I say kids in the relative term, of course. But, I mean, we were young adults when... What Beetlejuice came out, followed up by Nightmare on uh, Night, Nightmare, Before, Nightmare Christmas. Before Christmas. So, like, I remember being in like junior high, high school when those movies came out. Yep. So, there's a part of me that grew up with Tim, Bar- Tim Burton. Karen, I agree with you 100%. The guy is weird, but he's the oh, yeah. one guy that for me can pull it off. He didn't pull off the new Willy Wonka movie. That but, was with Johnny Depp. Yeah, but he was, crushed exactly. it with fucking um, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. That yeah. was awesome. Uh, yeah, sure. All right, all right, and I'll give you that. He and he and Johnny Depp have a really good relationship. I get it. More times than not, they can pull it off. But I digress. I would argue this it's something some- like our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, am I the Johnny Depp dressed up like the pedophile? I don't need any listeners well, chiming on. in on that. Hold question. on, I'm Burton in this fucking scenario here. Right, so it makes me Johnny Depp. <laughs> I think the- you won. That, yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I digress. My, my point is, I'm interested in checking this out. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Johnny Depp, but again, it comes from just growing up with him when he was in his heyday. Yeah. And I think this will be something that will be a lot of fun. And frankly, since it's running from October through February, it sounds like something that maybe when I come out for Christmas for next year, we just got to add to our to-do list. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, this is something... The Hard Rock is actually going to close for a short spell. In surprising news, it was announced that the planned renovations for converting the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino into a Virgin Hotel and Casino will include eight months of renovations, 
four of which will require the property to close. Renovations are expected to begin in late summer, early fall of 2019, with a planned reopening at the end of spring 2020. The four months of which they will close before a grand reopening as Virgin with a giant red V for their marquee signage. (laughs) What am I getting? What? Big red V? Yeah. Yeah. Wall close. My, my juvenile idea of humor <laughs> <laughs> for me. I'm like, <laughs> shouldn't it be a big pink V or something? <laughs> if it's red, it's not a good thing usually. But I know, right? right? <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> all right. While closed, all of the 2,000 employees at the Hard Rock have the option to continue getting paid as long as they return to their current positions once the property reopens. Wait, wait, so they're they're going to get a four-month paid vacation? Yeah. No, I think they're going to get furloughed, which means that when they come back, they will get back pay. Ooh, that does Because otherwise, what, what incentivizes someone, unless they're going to have to sign a legal document that says, I hereby agree I'm going to come back. But if you're paying me all this time and yeah, I'm but- spending it because it's my, you know, paying my mortgage. Right. Good luck collecting from me when I don't come back when Virgin reopens. But yeah, what? But I mean, <laughs> is these... that what it's going to be called? Virgin reopens. <laughs> A Virgin opening. The grand reopening. No, the grand opening. The grand Virgin opening. Grand Virgin opening. Um, the grand opening of the Virgin, something like that. The, the only thing you got to consider, Tony, with some of these people, like the bartenders and even the dealers and stuff, they can't go for four months without getting paid. I know. I thought that. So, too. they. I mean, do they now then have to go out and find something else to do for four months so that they can meet ends meet? Like, yes, and I suspect they're actually going to be able to double dip. So they're going to work whatever job they're going to work for those four months. And then when they come back, when once the Virgin opens, God, I can't, I don't know how to talk about this place. <laughs> Jeez, once so the Virgin please. opens for business. <laughs> I I saw the greatest T-shirt today as I was scrolling through Facebook of, you know, it's just one of those ads that pops up and it show, and this is so blasphemous, but I love it. I, I'm Catholic. I can make these jokes. It's the Virgin <laughs> Mary holding baby Jesus. And it says celibacy, colon, works 99.9% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but anyway, that, that would be my guess. But maybe that's it. I mean, maybe they're, these folks are going to have to figure out what they're going to do for the next four months. And then they get... You know they'll get paid during it, and then they just have to. It's it's an on your honor that you'll actually come back, and and if you don't, they're going to sue for you know wages that were paid to you that weren't ultimately earned because that was the you know the the condition subsequent that you would actually be there. But how do you collect from these people? Because Karen, your point's well made. These folks are going to need this for their mortgage and their light bills and their car bills. You can go ahead and sue me, but doesn't mean you're going to collect on me because I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'll, I'm just, I'm just saying it'll be interesting to watch how it plays out. Yeah. And you know, my, um, former company offered a sabbatical benefit where you got, you know, eight weeks paid in addition to your normal vacation every 10 years. But part of that agreement was you have to come back and work um, from your sabbatical. You've got to work for at least six months. Otherwise you have to pay it back. And it's in the whole legal document and written. So, I mean, it's, it's not that complicated to do. Um, but to your point, how would they collect from some of these folks? So it's, it's going to be interesting. To, yeah, to your point, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I would imagine there'd be more double dipping than anything else as opposed to people not returning. Why wouldn't you go, oh, my God, you're going to be four months paid vacation? Yeah, I won't get a job, 
or I'll get a second job until right. then and bank it, and then and then come back to work. I mean, I don't know. That sounds pretty pretty awesome. I can't imagine too many people would abuse that. Too many. No, and, and I guess it just depends on because there's not a lot of um, unemployment out here right now. So the question is, can they all find something? Or what, you know, maybe they can't work as a dealer, but they'll go work in a restaurant or something, you know, who knows? I mean, so, but here's the thing that's interesting to me is that the the renovations that they have planned for this property are pretty rudimentary. I mean, other than the desire to have a grand unfailing, you know, like a, a reopening, you know, with the completed, like, hey, it was the Hard Rock, now it's Virgin. I don't really see what the fucking point of closing it for, because check it out. So here's the plan. They're going to renovate all of the 1,500 rooms. They're going to expand the casino floor and convention space. They're going to add some restaurants and ultra lounge and reinvent and refine the pool area, whatever the hell that means. All, and I mean all of which were done eight years ago to the tune of $700 million. Well, so, so, so I'm saying the bones exist. Now you're just giving it your virgin the, the bones of the virgin ex- <laughs> exist. Well oh, played, Karen. So, well, what's going to be interesting, and again, we haven't spent a lot of time at, you know, on a virgin airline or, or any of the virgin properties and stuff like that, but they're known for, you know, really well done, high class, you know, strong customer service, all of that kind of stuff. So maybe my guess right. is maybe they've got a vision of what they want to do. Gutting the inside and be like, oh, we're rewiring this motherfucker. And we're like, like, Hey Siri, can I get room service? Yeah, absolutely, you can. You yeah, know, or some shit like that. I mean, they they might have a vision to just knock this thing out of the park, and that's why they're going to close for four months. Because, as we've um, seen with Park MGM, sometimes doing the renovations and trying to keep the property open drags them out a little while, and you know, causes a whole big mess. So, <laughs> you know, they might just be going at it a different way. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much it changes. We'll have to make sure we do some before and after. I have a little bit of empathy now that I know those guys, and they're like, dude, we, we're fucking annoyed that it happened this way, too. And I'm like, well, now I kind of feel bad for you. I know. <laughs> but, but it's a good, I mean, it, it's a good benchmark in this case because they didn't, they wanted to stay open. They wanted to, you know, still have customers coming in and keep their people employed and all of that kind of stuff. And it, it took them a little bit longer than they expected. Yeah, so I mean, now clearly, Virgin could be looking at it going, yeah, but no, we're not going to do that. Clearly, this Virgin thing's a bit over the top. This is very Richard Branson like, take four months off. That's what I mean. It, it, it's very yeah. Richard Branson. Nevada's Black Book gets new members. Three new people have been added to Nevada's excluded persons list, banning them from entering any casino in the state. Their names are Karen. <laughs> <laughs> this is their punishment for a 2016 cheating scam that stole approximately $1.2 million from the Bellagio. The group's ringleader, a craps dealer at the Bellagio, currently incarcerated for four to ten years, would mumble something that sounded like hop bet when his partners were playing at the table so that one of the other dealers would pay it out. There's just one problem. The felt on the craps tables at Bellagio didn't offer such a bet at the time. Now, investigators reviewed hours of surveillance video from games played while the group was at the table from August of 2012 to July of 2014 to come Gosh. up with the estimated total amount stolen. Oh, could you imagine having to sit there and watch through all those that videos? <laughs> yeah. Like, I hope I hope it's at least, like, high def and they could zoom in. But, like, I keep thinking, I'm like, I know that's what we all want to believe, but 
I wonder if it isn't like so many of the security tapes that you've been to these. It's just all grainy and shit. And you can't really tell just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> the most recent banished thief, a Las Vegas resident, pleaded with the commission to not ban him by attempting to play on the sympathies that he is a recovering gambling addict and wanted to be able to continue going into the resorts for staycations and see shows, but no longer gamble. After his plea, the commission voted unanimously to make him the 35th person added to the black book. <laughs> like, to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally feel for you. You stole! That's yeah. part of the punishment. A lot of money. You don't get yeah. to do any of these things. Like, yeah. no, no, I get, I can't gamble there anymore. No, you can't fucking come in at all. That's what you did. You don't get to That's come right. in at all. Well, I... million in the grand scheme of life, that's, I'm not saying that that's small potatoes, it's certainly not, but if he had to divide it, even, I I assume he got a bigger cut, but let's just say he had to split it equally with his cohorts, there were three people divided by 1.4 million, that's only, quote unquote only, $400,000. I'm completely unwilling to give up being able to go to Las Vegas for $400,000. I'm with you. You couldn't give me the 1.2 million to be like, yeah, you can't go to Vegas anymore. Fuck that. Yeah. Uh-uh. So, no way. I, I would have told on my cousin, like, going, hey, so we got a cheating scam. Like, no, no, I'm telling. I'd have sold him out for 200000 what I was going to get. So, so two things. First, Tony, I have to say I'm, I'm very proud of myself because this was the first article that I found um, before Mark did and, and shared with him. So I am now, you know, contributing <laughs> to the show. Cool, cool, awesome. Um, and then secondly... When there wasn't even one of those, what was it, a hot bet or whatever he was supposedly mumbled? Whatever it was, uh, yeah, it's a hot bet or a hot bet. And it's not on the felt. See, that's... How are you paying out if it's not on the felt? Because, I mean, if... It, that made me think the other dealer had to be in on it too. It was more than just the right. one guy. And I wonder if the article, because I swear the article said there were four people, but three people were banned. I wonder if that guy wasn't in. It wasn't the fourth that they didn't mention, or if maybe these dealers work all over the place. And the idea of such a throwaway bet, you know, like yeah, that's a bet that like somebody shot like. Like you, but, it's it's in other places, but not. But I, when a I dealer's paying out a I'm bet, they, they're they're stacking the chips sure. that you want on top of the bet that you put down. If there's no bet that you put down, what are you stacking it on? I'm reaching. I, I agree. I don't know. I well, just don't understand how they thought they were going to get away with this. Remember too, and this is you, you bring up a really interesting point, Karen. Technically, the hot bets are supposed to be logged by the stick man, yet it's the dealer, the you know, the guy that stands around the corner then that is the one that's supposed to be recording the action. So if I'm standing next to the stick man, or excuse me, if I'm standing next to the dealer who's adjacent to the box man or box person to be, you know, appropriate, he's the one that will say, you know, uh, my left wants a... a and I'm making this up on the fly, wants a, you know, one six hot bet, right? Then it's supposed to be the stick man that goes, all right, one six, it's logged. And they throw the dollar on top of it. And it's sitting there to signify to the sky, uh, eye in the sky that it's been logged. Well, now let me ask I you, so disagree. they technically say hop bet, H-O-P. Correct. Is yep. there anything? H-O-P. So is, is there a difference between a hot H-O-T and a hop H-O-P? To the best of my knowledge, there is no such thing as a hot bet. Now, you can roll a big red, which is your your seven, 
or you can roll a yo, but no, H-O-P is a hot bet. It's a one-time bet, and it's one of those crazy bets where you think that perhaps a five is going to come up, and you think the five is going to come up as a four and a one. You'll say, I'll hop the four and a one for a dollar. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, somebody, and and I assume it's the stick person, was probably new, perhaps, and and was just being taken advantage (laughs) of. For two years. He always waited until he had the new stick man on the table. Hey, get in here. We got another new stick guy. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it could be. It could be. But regardless, great story, Karen. Thank you for finding that. You're welcome. All right. This doesn't come as much as a surprise. The Sue's Resorts World. (laughs) Trademark infringement. And we called it the moment we saw it, the colored glass being used wasn't nearly as red as its rendering showed that it would be, and the gold bands made their first appearance. Goldish bands, whatever. Those details, as well as the similarly curved building, a wind staple in every property they've built since when was introduced to the market in 2005, are all cited in the court filing. The injunction is seeking for Resorts World to remove all materials or or goods identified to avoid the causing of confusion or misleading the public, something anyone with eyes could easily see being an issue. (laughs) Not only for all the aforementioned, but considering the announcement of WinWest earlier this year, or in 2018, the proximity of Resorts World to Win and Encore and the slight difference in the architecture, two curved buildings look like one an encore, connect one another. It could easily be misunderstood that this is WinWest. Called it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I remember, I wish we could play this back. I remember the conversation we had. It's like, well, why would you, you know, pick a glass that's so similar? I'm like, because they want people to yeah. think they're Win <laughs> so that they come over there. I mean, it was, it's obvious. However, the difference may be the key element that prevents Resorts World from having to change the building structure and only limit it to needing to change the exterior glass. Resorts World has declined to comment. <laughs> There's no way they're going to make them change the shape of the building. They can't at this point. It's not going to. Yeah. Well, no, they could, but they can't Jesus. because they didn't directly rip off the shape of the building. It's it's like like I said, it looks like the next version of it, but that's just enough. You know, like like we we had this conversation. The tri towers are all over the place. Yeah. Like nobody could sue each other. Like, oh, you ripped it off. Like, well, no, it's a tri tower. What are you gonna do? Right. You know. But as far as the glass, yeah, I think that glass is coming down. <laughs> well, and the one um, news article that I read said that supposedly Resorts World went to a local architect and specifically said, "I want a building that looks like Win and Encore," which is stupid <laughs> on their part right. if they did. But Don't go local. <laughs> I know, right? Don't go local. Find somebody out and say, hey, cop, shh, see that one across the street? Just copy that. Right. Just like that one. Just like when that. if you that, look at the renderings, there were no bands wrong. before. I mean, it had lines, but it has lines because it has fucking rooms. Right. You know, yeah, it's pretty obvious, I think. The Palms is replacing Vandal. Vegas Eater revealed that Palms has tapped Click or Click, I always get this wrong, or, or, or don't care, hospitality <laughs> for the concept that will replace Vandal, the Thai restaurant, the Tao Group, planned to open at the property before their partnership with the property disintegrated. Click Click opened the Camden Cocktail Lounge and Apex Social Club at the property last May, so it doesn't, it's not really a stretch to tap them to, like, hey, can you do another one? 
Uh, they will open Green Street Kitchen, a concept inspired by New York Soho artistic communities famed during the 1980s. It's unclear, but it appears the Beauty in Essex slash best friend concept of having a false front is going to be used here because it's said that diners will enter a vintage video arcade with classic games lining the walls and an 8-bit video-inspired tile floor. A door disguised as a vending machine will lead customers down a tunnel to the restaurant's main bar, which is located in a gold birdcage-like structure. Now, here's the unclear part. is The vintage arcade entrance is referred to as a secret speakeasy. So is the arcade a secret as well? Or is that the false front that you go into to then find the secret door, which is the vending machine? Or are you just walking along the hall in, in the palms and be like, oh, why do they have a vending machine here? Like, secret door. Like, why would that be the front? <laughs> Unless it's a giant oversized, like, what size is this fucking vending machine? Big enough that you could walk through? <laughs> That's what I mean. It, it could just be a regular size vending machine that you could walk through, which is why I like the idea of it being a false front better. It'd be more clever. Like, oh, look, it looks like an arcade. I'm like, oh, look, vending machine. Vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you'll make that voice. Too. <laughs> That's what it sounds like when they open it. It's squeaky. It's old. Vending machine. <laughs> Regardless, the menu will feature American cuisine in shareable plate portions, a.k.a. way too much food. And is expected to open in April of this year. They got I'm couple, in. Yeah. Oh, but they got a couple cool. things at Palms that we're interested in checking out. They've done some good stuff. Yeah, they have. Yeah. It's just been a little bit of a mess still with the construction. So I feel like we're sort of just waiting for. We are. We're waiting them out. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've seen what you're doing. We're 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 aware of it. <laughs> Although, is it Mabel's? Um, is open Mabel's now. Is now so open, yep. we need to. And when Scotch 80s out, we want to try that. Oh yeah, I forgot oh, about Scotch yeah. 80. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I know now more than ever. <laughs> Jeez, I know, right? I mean, you know, it's just it's a neighborhood just right around the corner from us. But you know, whatever. It's cool. It's cool. It's just, I, I, I was more going for the Scotch aspect, but oh, that's fine too. <laughs> uh, the next one has a little bit of Tony lead up. You're not Santa. You smell like meats and cheeses. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> what? Because MGM Grand's 25th anniversary is a bunch of lies. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> the RJ recently published an article by at Rick Villetta and at Todd Price TV celebrating the 25th anniversary of MGM Grand. Retrospective pieces like this are often priceless because they give a unique insight into a property's place in Vegas history by illustrating how far ahead of the curve a project was as well as its evolution into the place it is today. However, this article is a better representation of why it takes me so long to write 360 Vintage Vegas episodes. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> That's because it, this happened on Christmas Day, by the way. I'm going to give you a tangent before I go into this. So Christmas Day, I'm writing some, uh, some notes and getting ready for you know, a future show or whatever. And I read this article, and I was kind of in a ragey mood that day. The article had come out a little while before. Yeah, oh, it yeah. came out like a couple weeks before. Um, and... I was, I was just, so I, I've talked about it on the show. I won't get into it, but I was just in one of those dark, ragey moods. Like I'm pissed like, off. I was just kind of, I keeping, need some, something to vent my frustrations. Yeah, I, mean, I was kind of keeping to myself or well, like we were thinking about snowboard. Oh no, that's right. We couldn't go snowboarding because it was it like it required four wheel drive or snow chains and we had neither. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> apparently it gets dangerous when it snows on the mountain. But, um, so I start reading this. 
and I'd lose my fucking shit. Like I start reading it and I go, wait a minute, did I, did I miss something? Like, I don't remember this. <laughs> no. God, I, I don't think that's I... That's not right. I, guess I know I, that's I, not right. I guess this I didn't right. know MGM the way I, I, I thought I knew it. And then I start going, well, I know that's wrong. Well, that's fucking wrong too. What? And I just, I lost my shit. I'm like, yeah. nope. I went on blast on Twitter and I fucking wrote the story. Nope, nope. There's no way I'm letting this pass. You fucking pieces of shit are the reason why fucking vintage is so hard to do because you're fucking lazy garbage reporters who make no effort to be accurate. And it, and it doesn't take a ton of fucking effort. It doesn't. It's called fucking Google, you cunts. You have to call fucking Google. It's not hard. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's, I got to dial this in because okay. I have a very clear, concise rant that I had to articulate. <laughs> As opposed to this one. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> I was going off the rails again. I'm like, dial it back, dial it back. You have it all in there. <laughs> You, you thought this out. You don't so, have to just sh- randomly run through your head. Just calm down. Just okay. calm down. <laughs> so the reason I have to attack this is this is a shining example of the vast amounts of information passed off as facts by writers and publications who are either too stupid to fact check their information or too lazy to care. Either way, I wanted to take the opportunity to break this article down and highlight the excessive amounts of bullshit in it. For the record, I don't know these writers, and beyond this article, I have no agenda of hate towards them. I don't really care. <laughs> and I, I don't really care who owns the RJ either. This this issue that I'm having is specifically with fucking publications and writers that, that we give... We give, a, like, a child-parent level of trust to to uncover and share the truth. And at least in this case, not only were simple Google searches not done to fact-check dates... But claims are made that simply fly in the face of widely agreed upon moments in Vegas history. First, one item I have an issue with but can't 100% disprove is the claim that Studio 54 kicked off the nightclub boom when it opened in 1997. I can say the clubs that Palms opened with in 2001 are widely considered to be responsible for the nightclub revolution in Vegas. But... Without digging into the history of nightclubs in the market, research I never signed up for when I started reading this article, I can't say for certain that it wasn't the inspiration for the revolution. Next, the article claims MGM's convention space, quote, inspired a greater interest in attracting conventions, unquote. Total fucking bullshit. Total bullshit. (laughs) Vegas has been a convention town for a long time. In fact... The Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority was created in 1955 to help manage demand, which was so great, the landmark hotel and casino was imploded in 1995 to handle its parking needs. After the LVCBA, the most significant convention center built in Vegas was the building of, oh, one called the Sands Expo Center in 1990. Not only three years before MGM opened, but a year before MGM Marina closed so the MGM Grand Project could even begin. Oh, the voice is going to get higher. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Even my dog's howling. He's like, what is that whistle? (laughs) Dog whistle. Something else shared was a quote from at UNLVIGI, which is UNLV Gaming International Gaming Institute, claiming MGM Grand tried, quote, to create a world-class celebrity chef 
high-end food experience. Complete fucking horseshit from a supposed academic. You should have your goddamn teaching license revoked, you fucking idiot. Because MGM opened with eight restaurants, and only one of them was run by a celebrity chef, Wolfgang Puck's Cafe. And that same chef opened Spago's in forum shops at Caesar's Palace a year earlier. At Caesar's Entertainment, Executive Vice President Jan Jones Blackhurst overtly lied that, quote, when the MGM opened, it was the first vision of Las Vegas after the Mirage, unquote. Total fucking bullshit. The Mirage opened in 1989. After that, Excalibur opened a year later in 1990 as the largest hotel casino in the world. Following that, Luxor and Treasure Island opened two months before MGM Grand opened in 93, in October of 93. While this statement may simply be a matter of opinion, it's still remarkably flawed. Lastly, writers at Rick Valletta and at Todd Prince TV claim, quote, the three properties that opened in 1993 were created by three developers who, at the time, were considered the casino titans of Las Vegas. Glenn Schaefer of Circus Circus Enterprises, Luxor, Steve Wynn of Mirage Resorts, Treasure Island, and Kirk Akorian of MGM. Total fucking bullshit. Glenn Schaefer didn't work for Circus Circus when Luxor opened. CEO Bill Bennett fired him in early 1993. And you can't even say that he was the driving force behind the project until he was removed because Schaefer himself admits that Bennett called all the shots for Luxor, including making changes that leadership in the company questioned at the time, one of the reasons some of them were fired. All information easily attainable online and in the book Super Casino and Bill Bennett, The Forgotten Man. Glenn Schaefer didn't return to Circus Circus until 1995. Now, I'll be the first to admit that no matter how hard I try, I don't get all the facts right regardless of the amount of effort I'm put forth forcibly by fucking cunts like this. But reading this article truly upset me in a way that just compelled me to call out those affiliated with it. It it just seems that no one even tried to be accurate. Even I, a layman in the world of Vegas history, understood and appreciated the, um, you know, in the legal world, there's something called puffery. And it's the same reason why, as much as we may give used car salesmen in an in unfair rap, we do say things like, you know, used car salesmen take liberties that may or may not be accurate. It's called puffery. And in the legal world, that's exactly the term we use. It was evident that some puffery was allowed yeah. for this particular oh, there, story. There was some blowing going on. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> one of the things that bummed me out about it the most, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to make such an effort to call this out, is doing all the research that I've done, I've had to go back to lots and lots of newspapers, and not like the Las Vegas Sun and the RJ, because like a lot of the resources that you have available online aren't those newspapers. So what I had to do was look at newspapers in Reno and California and New York, like everywhere else, like everybody that was around it and the big states. And so that way I could try and piece together what the information was. And what, what I normally run into when there are conflicting information are, are, are variances on the narrative. Like, like, let me give you an example. So 
I was looking up, I can't remember exactly what it is, but just for the sake of argument, let's say it's when Lefty Rosenthal got kicked out of, you know, like when he got banned or whatever. And one publication said that it happened in one year, and another publication said it happened in another year. And as I did even more digging, both were right. Because what ended up happening is the court case to get him kicked out started in like November, December one year. And what, you know, they made their decision or whatever. And when it finally happened was in the following year. And that's the, that's what the majority of the conflicting information I have when I look at, at articles, I'm going to, I'm going to say generously from the eighties beyond. That's where I run into just slight variations of, of information or, you know, like, oh, we said this happened over here. Well, it happened over here. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, you guys are in the same ballpark. I see what you're saying. Like, you had this source. You had this source. This is just outright bullshit. Like, I, I don't bump into, when I look at all these other publications, things that are just so fucking far off. But now it's like, now that we're in the internet age, they're like, oh, fuck it. Which to me makes less sense because I look at what these what these writers do and I'm like, how the fuck did you ever fact check stuff back then? Because to me, <laughs> I'll spend hours looking up a date just so I can confirm that it's right because I'm, you know, I'm seeing fucking bullshit articles like this. You know, I don't trust everything I read. I'm like, well, I need to find it somewhere else and then I'm going to find it another fucking place to not trust it there either. So, I... I I, I'm you're going you're, off the you're rails. ranting, going off the rails. <laughs> but yes, they used to be better. These guys and this example, I'm incredibly disappointed. Incredibly disappointed. Yeah, well, it's the RJ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it never disappoints. Prop bets. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar, prop bets is an extension of the news, but with just bits and pieces of noteworthy items. First up, Caesar's Palace marquee renovations have been completed and the finished results confirm that we were half right. The new marquee now features LED signage on its upper half while the lower continues to be a static signage. Mm, okay. No, did, was that not even No, 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 it's no right. that's no, right. I just it's don't just, get it. Yeah, I, it's I like, why it. would you do half and not the other? But Because if you did LED, you could put whatever you wanted on it instead of having to go up and change the sign. It just, yeah. I mean, I'm glad this the structure's still there. I just don't understand if you got down that far why you wouldn't do two elegant. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. With the completion of Italy, the construction walls around Park MGM are now gone. Just in time for new ones to be put up right in front of it as construction on the new pedestrian walkway <laughs> crossing Las Vegas Boulevard began. That project isn't expected to be complete until July of 2019. <laughs> what shitty timing. Like, how long have we been railing against, like, look at your fucking strip farms. It's ridiculous. Like, hey, it's down. What is that? That's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do that. Right. They didn't ask us. <laughs> We want it there, but God damn it! why couldn't right. they start it at Zooter? Like we asked you. How long ago did we ask you? <laughs> in all fairness, there is a lack of uh, available construction workers in Las Vegas right now <laughs> with everything going on. So they probably had to prioritize and right. finish one project before they could start another. Yes. Favorite bistro, formerly known as La Favorite Bistro, <laughs> is now open in the Link Promenade. 
You can find it located across the street from Sprinkles Cupcake Store. I'm not going to say we did that, but I'm going to imply it. (laughs) (laughs) The best part is they're like, ugh, my favorite bistro. Sounds douchey. (laughs) Favorite bistro. I'll eat there. It's my favorite. Focus groups. That's what they learned. (laughs) The love makes it sound... I don't want to be... Ooh, Ooh, it's a favorite. I know. (laughs) And that was by accident. Like, somebody accidentally had a piece of paper that went over it. Like, going, ooh, what's this favorite bistro? That looks delicious. (laughs) Reminds me of Dumb and Dumber when he goes... Oh, what's the soup du jour? She goes, it's the soup of the day. He goes, mmm, that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and one last little prop bet that we're going to add in here um, last minute is it was announced today that Britney Spears is taking a break from the spotlight and putting all of her work projects on hold for the time being uh, as her father uh, was hospitalized and nearly died at uh, the end of last year. So that means her domination Las Vegas show that was supposed to start in February has been postponed indefinitely. You and I found that one too. Tony, there's two this week that I found. <laughs> Jeez, oh, Pete's Karen. I mean, my God, are you trying to push Mark out of this or what? You uh, want to just no. start writing all the shows? Uh, no. Yeah. Right. It's so easy, Karen. Right. I'll set I'm, your alarm clock. I'm contributing now instead of just showing up. Don't you dare set an alarm clock for me that I will fucking murder you if you force me to try to get up that early. Get up and write. Things are happening. Sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> It's already 4.30, a lazy bitch. (laughs) The sun's going to be up in an hour. (laughs) I love it. All right, well, that's going to do it for news and prop bets. Let's check the river. All right, so we actually have two things for the river. Uh, one of them, Tony's contributing. Ooh. Yay. I would like to say a special hello and thank you. It was wonderful getting to meet Laura. Now, Laura is on Twitter. Apparently, she's at Little Miss Irish Bar. <laughs> and I had the great opportunity, both my wife and I, to meet her when we were at the Cromwell during the Christmas break. Uh, my wife and I were sitting there. We were at the video poker bar, like the actual bar itself, playing video poker. And um, Laura came up and she said, wait. She goes, are you Tony? <laughs> You're like, maybe. <laughs> Does he owe you money or impregnate you at some point in your past? Um and she goes, no, no, no. She said, I, I listened because I was wearing my, you know, 360 Vegas shirt. Aww. And she said, I listen to your podcast all the time. So uh, Laura awesome. is a is a health teacher in the Chicagoland area. And she she shares some really fun stories of what it's like to be a health teacher teaching, you know, adolescents. Because I think she said she was, if she wasn't junior high, she was very early high school oh, years. Oh, good she Lord. Said, the best way, exact, right, exactly. <laughs> she said, it's, you know, no one's paying attention to you until all of a sudden you start talking about the birds and the bees. And she said, all of a sudden, everybody tunes in. She said, I don't care if you're a boy or a girl. When we start talking about a penis and a vagina, everybody. <laughs> Their heads whip around. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, teacher, Laura, what was that? <laughs> Everyone quiet down. The teacher's talking. 
Yeah. It, does, it doesn't get any better. I'm 41 years old and I love the Virgin Casino. So. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> so at any rate, Laura, it was an absolute pleasure getting to meet you. You were a lot of fun. Uh, but also, we've got a 360 FHE, uh, and this is our opportunity to share with listeners uh, when Mark and Karen go out and they explore the ever-changing landscape that is Las Vegas and they share that experience with you, the listener. This time, so you guys went out and you explored uh, Boulder Highway that was oh, inspired. No. Not, not, not us guys. Yeah, not, 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 yeah, not, I, not I was not side. part this of this. This would have been torturous to, to Karen. <laughs> he, I was like, you trying to give you some credit for no, being a supportive no, wife. I am. I'm very supportive. supportive. I said, go, go right ahead. Like, take yeah. as much time as you need. Like, I, you go. I will. I'll be here with the dog, the dog and the cats. I will find something to do to occupy myself. Have a good time. So I was very supportive. Very good. So, Mark, you went out and you explored the Boulder Highway, which was inspired by the Boyd Gaming history. So why don't you tell us about that? Yes. Particularly the uh, adventure you had. Yes. So I checked out. I just finished writing the Boyd Vintage episode and became overly inspired and wanted to take advantage of my new domicile. Domicile and zone, right? No, that's, that's kind of your house. Yeah, I was trying to go too clever, but I, I, I live in Vegas now is the point that I was trying to make. So tr- take advantage be- of the fact that you could just, you know, hop in your car and go see these things know, that you were just reading about. I thought about. I was going to be clever, and I just, now I Sometimes you, you just overdo it, honey. Just just stick with the most direct basic. I'm happy with myself right now. I'm going to shake it off. Sometimes grinding the broken shards of glass into the palms of the listeners <laughs> that you get to do something <laughs> they can't. It's hurtful, dude. It's I know, but it's like, I like to be clever, like on... Oh, what did he get to? Oh, you fucking live there, dick. Just say you live there. <laughs> That's what I was going for. I feel better now. Now we're back. Uh, <laughs> but I had the opportunity to go experience these places firsthand, so I took it. Samstown is the most iconic of the Boyd-affiliated properties on Boulder Highway, but the family still owns the East Side Cannery, Joker's Wild, and just off Boulder Highway in Henderson. It's where the family's first property exists, El Dorado. Along the way, I checked out Boulder Station, Klondike Sunset, and Rainbow. Now, Boulder, if you haven't been there before, reminds me of Casa Bonita. It's unlike... <laughs> it's, and and, and I, I can't even... How do you explain Casa Bonita, Karen? Uh, There's an episode of South Park. Look that up. That'll help. Yeah. And look, that's, that's remarkably accurate. It is. It's very accurate <laughs> of, of what Casa Bonita is like. Casa Bonita is um, like a, a Mexican... Mexican Chuck e. Cheese. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that that's actually a really good description. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not derogatory at all. It's it's literally what it's like. Like they were like, "No, no, no. We're going to do this Mexican style." Like So they have they've got caves that the kids can um like inside so inside the building there's there's like caves that the looks kids Looks like strip mall. You'd have no idea all this can, is in there. Yeah, can go and climb in. They've got like a high dive act where, you know, these divers yeah, cliff divers. Cliff divers dive into this tiny little pool uh, in the middle of the restaurant. It's got like a rainforest area. They've got Mariachi uh, mariachis and Huh? Do they all die because they snap their neck when they jump into the I don't, pool? No, it's I, deep as fuck. I don't know how they do it, yeah. but they, yeah, they, they, they just cliff dive off in the middle of the restaurant. It's really kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, and it's the food's good. It, it's just fun. They come around. Yeah, I don't you have being good. you have a little flight. Well, the sopapillas. Sopapillas are delicious. <laughs> So they have this this little this restaurant is actually in Denver, by the way. So that, hence the South Park tie-in. But um, they have these little flags on sticks on your table, and so when you decide you want sopapillas, you raise the fr- the flag, and they just bring them around hot, you know, to you, which is <laughs> I really can't recommend fun. it enough. 
seriously, I, look look for the South yeah. Park episode that has Casa Bonita yeah. in it. it, I, it I, I recall the food being terrible, minus the sopapillas, but the experience was totally worth it. Like, like if I would have gotten food poisoning, I would have been like, remember that time we went? Oh, if we if I wouldn't have almost died, we'd totally do it again. <laughs> Maybe we'll just go and have sopapillas. <laughs> You walk through the the because it's like a, a buffet line almost that you walk through to pick out what you want to eat yeah. and then like what do you want? Oh no, I just want sopapillas. Just, I'm just gonna go sit at the table. <laughs> I just want to sit. Can I can I have water and sopapillas? <laughs> anyway, sorry, a little tangent there. <laughs> Tony's like, what the hell are you two idiots rambling oh, about? I cannot I cannot recommend Casabadita enough. <laughs> Not for the food, for everything else. <laughs> Unlike Palestation's former theme. Boulder Stations is deeply themed to look like an old-timey train station inside and out. Now, Samstown is awesome. While it is a bit too country for my taste, it's easy <laughs> to tolerate it. That place has an incredibly unique... Exp- it, 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 its layout is... is you, like, the casino wraps around the Mystic Forest, so you can be in the casino and see the Mystic Forest, which is this big animatronic waterfall wooded area it's it's cool you gotta you gotta check it out if only once however its vibe will most likely prevent me from ever actually staying at the property (laughs) now the east side cannery is adorable (laughs) i would best describe this place as a former circuit city that they turned into a casino and then put a hotel on top of it's the color is appealing the space is open the theme is fun I, I thought and this, they're willing to sell you an extended warranty. <laughs> even though you're never going to use it. I initially, when I was doing research on the places that I wanted to visit, this is the one that I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand this place. I don't understand. But it's right next door to Samstown. Well, and it's in an industrial kind of area, right? So the idea nope. of it. No, I thought it was. No, like you're, a thinking cannery. Of the, you're thinking of the, of the cannery up north. Oh. This is the east side cannery, which is just a building. Oh, sorry. Mixed them up. Possibly a circuit city, formerly. But <laughs> when I was doing my research to figure out where I was going to stop, because there's other places along the way that I could have visited, but I was like, I don't want to see just casinos to see casinos. Like I want to, I want them to have a point. Like Boulder was really Boulder Station was really the only one that I stopped to see, just because it was on the way. Like it wasn't really part of any inspired thing. But I, I, I don't know. I just got curious enough, and that's I don't know why I'm apologizing. But anyway, <laughs> Joker's Wild. Looks like a Chuck E. Cheese converted into a casino, but in a good way, if there is a good way to do that. (laughs) They offer dollar craps, $3 blackjack, but I could count the number of tables in that property on one hand. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Yeah. (laughs) Like, almost, almost not enough. Thankfully, craps tables and roulette tables are very long. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have enough to make a circle. For the pit boss to <laughs> wander around in. <laughs> For the pit boss to stand in the middle of. Right. Keep an eye on on, on Not all. a pit if it doesn't make a circle. Right. <laughs> what? This weird half moon thing. I don't know how to navigate it. <laughs> Anyone could just walk in anywhere because it wasn't because it's in the middle of the floor. But I go, we have to protect ourselves on all sides. <laughs> all right. The Klondike Sunset. It looks like a sports bar converted into a casino, and it has no gaming tables. Now, the reason this property is significant in history is because the guy who owned it until his death in 2014 was John Woodrum. This is the same guy who bought the original Klondike, located on the strip down by the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign, from Ralph Ingolstadt, while it was known as the Konakai Motel. 
so that Ralph could buy the Flamingo Capri and turn it into Imperial Palace. When John bought it from Ralph, he partnered with Bill Boyd in 1976 to turn it into the Klondike. And by early 1980s, he had converted it into a casino. Possibly the coolest part about it, it was used as the location for the scene in the movie Vegas Vacation where Clark attempts to win back all the money he lost by playing games like Pick a Hand. And guess what number I'm thinking? <laughs> by the late 90s, the place had seen better days and was a target for acquisition and redevelopment in another of Vegas' building boom markets. Finally accepting that the property couldn't simply compete with the mega resorts down the street, the Klondike did close on the Strip in 2006, was demolished in 2008, turned into a Harley-Davidson dealership in 2014. But while all that was going on, an opportunity to acquire Sunset Casino from longtime friend Tom Yarborough presented itself after the place had to close after just 10 years of existence due to increased competition in the area. John invested $5 million into renovations and reopened it as the Klondike Sunset. Now today, the Klondike Sunset is well-maintained and it looks like a small Buffalo Wild Wings converted into a casino. Cute. Can, I liked it. can I, before I know you, you're about to conclude this, but I got a clarification question. Yes. So is the actual location that was used in Vegas vacation, is that still there or is, or was that what was closed and demolished? That's what was closed and demolished. Okay. Okay. Just making sure I got it. <laughs> yeah. Klondike sunset is kind of, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like a TGI Fridays or kind of like, like not on the main road, but if you just like you could see it from the main road and you got to drive off just a little bit to go get it. That's 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 what I would uh, how I you have to know it's there. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that I didn't have an opportunity to walk into something that's still around from the oh. Vegas vacation. Oh, no, I would have taken case. you there. <laughs> All right. our, our, our entire December trip would have been like, I got to take you to the Klondike. <laughs> My adventure concluded, as does most progress in Henderson where I had the opportunity to check out the Alder... The Alderado? <laughs> I, I, I've heard of that. It's not nearly as, exis- as successful as the Eldorado, but, you know, dare to dream. I checked out the Eldorado, the first property Sam and Bill Boyd purchased majority interest in. To this day, it's in the Boyd Gaming portfolio and used as their management training center. First, Henderson, at least part of Henderson feels kind of like a cross between Hill Valley in 1955 and 1985 somehow. (laughs) The El Dorado has an old school iconic look to it and kind of feels like an old country buffet turned into a casino inside, but in a good way. You think everything is like, it was this and now it's a casino. It it was a strip mall, now it's this. It was a Buffalo Wild Wings, it was this. It was a TGI Fridays, now it's this. See, now I have to take you to them. I'm like, tell me it doesn't look like that. Tell me it doesn't look like Chuck Sheen. No, you you don't. You took plenty of pictures. I I can look. Nope, not going. (laughs) Next door, the Rainbow Casino, owned by Peppermill. The interior doesn't look very Peppermillion, but it does feel like a... Peppermillion? (laughs) Yeah. Just coined that TM mark. (laughs) The interior feels like a fancy IHOP in a retirement community, in a a good way. Again, comparing it to something else. I'm telling you, this is what they feel like. (laughs) But to my surprise, located across the street from both of them, was Flava Flames and Vinny's Chicken and Pizza. I did not dare to try. Yeah, I, I, that was a good idea, I think. I wanted to. I, I seriously thought about it, but I, I did not. 
There's and anything pumpkin. that is associated with Flavor Flav. I feel like it, it, it's it's almost like anything associated with um, oh shit, who's a, a Vince Neil? Like you need to dip it in like a shitload of sanitizer before you touch anything. Okay, but this is a, this is a deep, I feel like greasy chicken might be the one thing he can figure out. I feel like he might. <laughs> I feel like he might be one of these. Like holy shit, have you ever no. been over Flav Flav's house? Everything comes with a shot of penicillin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, did did this Vinny buy into Flava Flav's chicken? And did he bring the pizza? I do <laughs> not know. From my understanding, this is... This, uh, I guess that... <laughs> Shut up, Karen. <laughs> I believe they partnered on the... <laughs> Maybe because Vinny I remember when Flava Flav first opened up, he opened up as as a as a fried chicken place. Oh yeah, that failed. So to hear about this Vinny fellow. Oh no 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 no, that failed. That initial thing failed. This is this is a new thing. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, it couldn't stand on its own. Maybe you can serve it in my pizza place. <laughs> you broke her. I don't know how you did it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's great. It's not, we're starting to break her more and more. I think she's just, I think, I think we just broke her down. It's taken like 20 years. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. She's in tears, dude. It's awesome. She lost her shit. The dog's like, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. The be- this is the best part about being a co-host is the shit that ends up getting out. It's even more fun than the actual podcast itself. I'm just picturing Vinny guy. Hey, yo, got some pizza here for your chicken. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's always the stories you tell yourself that are the funniest. Like, I have to warn people. Like, I do this at work all the time. Like, I'll crack Like, somebody will say something. And I'll crack up laughing, like, why is that so funny? I'm like, because you didn't hear the rest of the story that I just told myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before Karen hurts herself. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, side note. <clears throat> Sorry. So the comedian Brian Regan yeah, yeah. has a new, uh, is it on HBO or Netflix? Netflix. Like a little comedy series. And I don't even remember what the joke was. But it was such a throwaway something. Mark and I were watching it the other day, and I literally, like, I had to pause it, and I couldn't breathe for a good five or ten minutes. I had tears. I just, like, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just me getting older. I, I find stuff, like, stupidly funny now. Oh, okay. This, this is actually a perfect way to end it. So I'm, I'm going to share uh, or, or summarize the encounter that I had in Henderson by sharing an experience. While I was leaving the rainbow, a gentleman in his 20s or 30s, leaving at the same time, held the door open for me. As I thanked him, he remarked, that's a killer scar on your face. Where'd you get it? (laughs) (laughs) For those of you that don't know, I have a relatively large scar running down the majority of the left side of my face from an accident I had when I was a little kid. (laughs) It usually attracts attention, but seldom sparks conversation. I, I, yeah, and I don't even notice it anymore, but, you know. Right. Most people that get you to know, know me, you, you don't see it, but it was just. Like, I can't believe he was like, dude, that's a killer scar. Like, where did you get it? That was the funniest part about, like, is that's a killer scar. I'm like, okay. You know, like, where did you get it? I'm like, oh, I just bought it down the street. Like, 
<laughs> I, I was, you know, it was a slow week, and so I went to, uh, uh, oh, I went to War Machine and said, hey, you know that thing you did to your nice. ex? Can you just give me a little taste of it right Tie here? back. Like, oh, I just want, I just want to, like, you know how people go to tattoo places, like, going, no, I just, I just uh, want, no, no, that's enough. I had, like, grand designs for a big cheek tattoo, and I'm like, no, or big cheek <laughs> cut, and I'm like, no, just the one. No, just the one. That's all I needed. Yeah. Did it. you tell him the truth, or did you just make up something fun? I just said I got it when I was a kid. I'm like, I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Literally 42 years on this planet, no one's ever asked me where did you get that massive <laughs> scar on your but, face. But at least he was polite. He held the door open for you. That was very nice. And he called it killer. He said that's a killer. <laughs> yeah, it's killer. Exactly. He was paying you a compliment while being polite at the same time. Yeah. A, a tenth of me said, over-exaggerate this like fucking crazy. Like, dude, I went through a period of time where I was just selling coke like a madman. And, you know, there are One deal goes bad and, you know, there you go. Right. Seriously, you should just be like, uh, um, my pen burst on an airplane. Just <laughs> come up with just the craziest fucking excuses. Uh, yeah. I, tried, I tried to slip my throat, but I missed. <laughs> Shaving, shaving accident. I'm terrible. <laughs> Have you ever tried using a straight razor? <laughs> That's why I stick to nothing but like electric, electric razors. Now. I'm really nervous and recently went, well, not recently, obviously, but went to a steakhouse. Once <laughs> things just got a little crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, listen, I think that's probably going to do it for episode 288 and probably just in time. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and downloading. We really do appreciate it. If you'd like to check out any of the stories on today's show, you can do so on the blog, which is 360vegaspodcast.com. You can get premium and exclusive content when you subscribe to our show at patreon.com slash 360vegas. Of course, you can support the show by purchasing things from our affiliates like amazon.com, earthlimos, or just make a PayPal donation. Of course, you can buy merchandise from our store. It's Zazzle.com slash 360Vegas. Or you can help others find the show by leaving us a review on iTunes. Of course, if you'd like to leave us feedback, written or audio, we highly encourage that. You can do so at 360VegasPodcast at gmail.com. And if you're not sure how to record audio with your smartphone and email it to the show, not to worry. We've got instructions over there on how best to do that. It's on the blog's main page. Tony, where can folks find you? I am at 360 Vegas Tony. Karen. I'm at Karen Mark. He just told you where you can find me, so till next time. <laughs> <laughs>